You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. We're going to continue. This is week number eight in our series called Be Rich. Be Rich. Turn to somebody and tell them you need to be rich. I tell you what, say this. Say, I am rich because Jesus made me rich. Amen. And of course, we know that that's more than just money. It, it involves every area of our lives. And so uh, I, I'm just excited about this. And so we're going to get into this. And so let's, uh, let's look at our foundation scripture. What we're basing this series on is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 and 11. All right, here we go. Look at the scripture. Here we go. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those in need or who need them, they will thank God. So we've looked over the last seven weeks about how God's will is for us to live a blessed life, to live a life where we're not just getting by, we're uh, excelling, we're growing, we're thriving, and uh, God is, is doing everything he can to bring increase and prosperity in our lives. And as I have told you, prosperity is not about money. It's much, much bigger than money. Uh, let me give you the definition uh, just off the top of my head of what prosperity is. And prosperity is the ability to be able to meet the needs of mankind, whatever that need is, with the help of God. It's taking God's resources and using those resources to meet the needs of people all around us. And so, listen, you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have peace, you're poor. Okay, God wants us to have it all. He wants us to have peace. He wants us to have joy. He wants us to have, uh, you know, all the things healing so that we can pass that on and minister it to other people. And uh, so I'm thankful for that. And uh, so let me review a couple of things that we have talked about in the last few weeks. Here's the first thing that I wanted you to see, and we're going to continue talking about sowing and reaping. So these are not in your notes for this week. They were in your notes for last week. But God created the law of sowing and reaping. This is God's idea. This isn't man's idea. So God created this law. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And God made the way for this natural law and spiritual law. By the way, let me say this, and we'll probably see this later on, but natural laws often are the same as spiritual laws. So as you know, sowing and reaping is a natural law, just like it is a spiritual law. Here's the second thing. God created another law that says a seed will produce only after its own kind. How many of you know corn only produces corn? Okay, you're not going to plant corn and get watermelons. You're not going to plant watermelon seeds and get cucumbers. No, it's only going to produce after its own kind. Here's the next thing is, and seeds are not always financial in nature. You know, in uh, the, the Gospels, Jesus said this, Judge not, lest you be judged. 
He said, condemn not lest you be condemned. So, uh, and he said all that right before in, in Luke 6.37, right before our favorite verse, Luke 6.38, where he says, give and it shall be given unto you. So here's what he was saying. If you sow judgment, you're going to reap judgment. If you sow hate, you're going to reap hate. If you sow love, you're going to reap love. All right, so whatever uh, the seed is that you're sowing, it will produce after its own kind. Here's Galatians 6, 7 says this, make no mistake about it, God will never be mocked for what you plant will always be the very thing that you harvest. So just know that as we're navigating through life, if you are kind to people, you're going to reap kindness. Okay, now it might not happen immediately, might not happen tomorrow, but it will happen. We have God's word on it. All right, so here's the next thing that we talked about, and that is this. The word of God is the most powerful seed we have available. Jesus in Mark chapter 4 called the word of God a seed. He said the sower sows the word, or he sows the seed. So the word of God is the most powerful seed that God puts into our hands. Now here's why. Giving a financial gift might change someone's life on the outside. You know, you can bless somebody with some money and it might change their life. You know, I love seeing testimonies where, or not testimonies, but you know what I mean, where people, you'll see it in the news where a waitress or somebody, you know, some athlete or, or star or whatever, uh, went into a restaurant and tipped uh, a server, you know, $1,000 or $2,000. I mean, I love those kinds of stories. And, uh, you know, but, and that may change the life of that person. It might change the life of that server. But here's the thing. The word of God has the ability to change somebody's life from the inside out, not just your external circumstances. Now the word will change your external circumstances eventually. All right. So it does have the ability to change your external circumstances, but God chooses to work from the inside out. All right. Now, money we talked about, uh, remember we used the illustration of the brick. Money is neutral, just like a brick is neutral. Money only reveals what is already in your heart. Now, I heard a pastor say this not too long ago, and I thought it was a powerful saying, more money does not make you more generous. I want you to think about that for just a second. If you're stingy, and get more money, you're only a stingy person who has more money. But if you're a generous person when you have little, when you get more, you will still be a generous person. What money does is reveal what is already going on in your heart. It's a heart uh, magnifier, if you will. Jesus said that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So wherever your heart is, it, your money is right there with it. So if, if you are generous now with the little that you have, you will be generous when you get more money, okay, or more stuff, whatever the, the, the case might be. So in, the, in that being said, then money is totally neutral. So money can only become seed if, look at this, money can only become seed if the real seed, God's word, is attached to it. Okay, so if you give to somebody and you tell them Jesus loves you and he told me to do this for you, then you have just attached the word of God to that financial 
gift and now that money has become seed. You can give like, you know, we can give to the United Way or, or you know, Goodwill, whatever the case might be. And, and you can give and that's fine. And, and, you know, I certainly don't knock that. But unless the gospel or the word of God is attached to that, it does not produce change in anybody's life. And therefore, it is not seed. So it only becomes seed when the word of God is attached to it. That's why you can rest assured that when you sow seed into your local church or a ministry that's preaching and ministering the word of God, then that's, that those finances are becoming seed for you and go into your future. All right. Now, before we get into the meat of today's lesson, let me just kind of go over a little outline for you. Uh, just basic, basic, basic on how your finances should work. All right. So let's walk through this. So the basic plan for our finances is this, that we receive income from our job, maybe your business, etc. So you get a paycheck. You know, maybe, uh, you know, you're working your job, you get a check from your job, or maybe, you know, if you are retired and on a pension or Social Security, whatever the case is. So you receive income from some source into your life. The second thing that you do is that God's word instructs us to tithe, to give 10% honoring God off the top, the very first part. The third thing that we do is you pay your bills, you save, and you fulfill your financial obligations. Okay, so if if you have made commitments to the bank or Visa, MasterCard, whatever it is, you need to fulfill those commitments. Now, one thing, let me say this to you, all right? I do believe in God helping us to become debt-free, and we're going to talk about that later on in the weeks to come. But here's what I'm, I'm not real big on is preaching to you about how God will mess with people's computer systems and make your debt go away, okay? <laughs> and there's some preachers that have taught that, and I believe it's incorrect because if you know you owe somebody a thousand dollars and all of a sudden you get a notice saying uh, that that thousand dollars has gone away, I think it might do you good to pick up the phone and call somebody and say, what happened? Because here's what, what can happen is um, you get all excited and praise God because you had supernatural debt cancellation and then all of a sudden uh, they figure out their mistake and your supernatural cancel debt cancellation goes away. Okay? <laughs> yeah, all right. Praise the Lord. So now here's the thing. And the reason I say that is the lastly, we sow out of our discretionary income what is left over. So after you pay your tithe, you, you, you give your tithes, you pay your bills, you do what you need to do and save, then what is left over is what you have to sow from. All right, do I, do I make myself clear? So here, let me say this to you. Do not, if you had made promises to people to pay money back, do not take the money that you have promised them and try and give it to God. I will never tell you to do that. Okay, why? Because that money doesn't belong to you, really. Because you've already committed it to somebody else. You've made a promise. That's what you signed that little piece of paper for. Are y'all still with me? Yeah. Okay, because I know there have been some that said, you know, you need to sow whether you have it or not, whether you got bills to pay or not. Don't do that. 
Because that money's not yours. You've already, already promised it to somebody else. All right. So what somebody says, well, well, then, pastor, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to get seed from? Because if you do all of those things and you come up at the end of the month and you've got zero or less than zero, then what are you supposed to do? Where are you supposed to get seed from? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's look at Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse 10 in the Amplified Bible. It says this. And God who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So what that means is if you come up at the end of the month or however you work your budget and you have zero left over or are in the hole, what you need to do is you need to have a conversation with the Lord. And first of all, uh, ask him to forgive you for being in the hole because you overcommitted yourself and he will forgive you, but then ask him for some seed. Ask him to provide you for with some seed. And you'll be amazed at how $10 will show up or $5. Or as I have said to you, your boss will ask you, can you work some overtime or something along that line? And so God will go to great lengths to get seed to you. Now here, let me say this to you. Don't eat your seed. Okay. If you got corn you need to put in the ground, you better eat that. I mean, uh, sow that corn, not eat it. Are you following me? All right. So let's talk about reaping. We've talked about sowing. Let's talk about reaping. Let me show you some scriptures about reaping. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 5 from the New King James Version says this. He who gathers, that's another word for harvest, in summer is a wise son. Now, if you've ever been a farmer uh, most of your harvest time takes place in the summertime, early su or summer or late summer. So he who harvests or gathers is a wise in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. So what's God saying? That don't sleep through your harvest time. Don't miss it. I love the, the living Bible of that same verse says this. A wise youth makes hay while the sun shines, but what a shame to see a lad who sleeps away his hour of opportunity. I like that. See, harvest time is a time of opportunity for you, and you need to be aware of when harvest shows up and when it is there. Don't sleep through your harvest. Now, I'm going to cover some things, and I'm going to be very, very transparent with you and tell you this. Um, some of these things I've had to work on myself uh, because I didn't understand a lot of these principles and um, have had to make adjustments in my life. So what I'm telling you are things that I have incorporated in my own life. All right. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses one through four. The scripture says this. You've probably heard this before. It says this, cast your bread upon the waters for you will find it after many days. Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. So in other words, I mean, that's a pretty much done deal. It's established. Okay, so if the clouds are there, then it's likely you're going to get rain. If a tree falls and it falls to the north, that's where it's going to lie. So he goes on to say, he who observes the wind 
will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. What, what is he saying? He's saying that if we pay close attention to the environment and we let the environment dictate to us when we sow and when we reap, we're going to miss it. Because there are going to be times when you need to sow when economic conditions are not good. When gas is $5 a gallon. You know, when you need maybe some gas money uh, and, uh, you know, gas is getting high and, uh, you, you know, you need to, your mind tells you, well, you know, you better, you better set aside because you're going to need gas money later on. All right. So economic conditions begin to dictate to us what we do financially. And so what he's saying there is this, he who observes the wind. So, you know, if you're sowing wheat seed and back in the day, of course, they didn't have machinery that did it. They did it all by hand. So if you're sowing wheat seed, you know, you had to watch what the wind was doing because the wind could blow your seed away. But uh, what you need to understand is this, and we'll talk more about this in just a second. There is no perfect time to sow and there is no perfect time to reap. Sometimes you have to sow when you don't feel like it. Sometimes you have to reap when economic conditions are telling you it's impossible to reap right now. All right, look at uh, the living Bible of verse four. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. That's true in every area of life. Have you learned that? Okay, you know, sometimes you have to press through when the conditions aren't good. <laughs> Anybody ever learned that? You know, I have found, and, and uh, maybe it's, I have learned this the older I have gotten, you know, when you're, when you approach 28, like I am, um, you know, you learn a thing or two. And so I have learned that sometimes you have to do stuff when you don't feel like it. You have to do stuff when it looks like circumstances are moving in the opposite direction. There are things that you just have to do. You know, I'm a big history buff and, uh, I do a lot of World War II history just because I have two grandparents, my, both my grandfathers on my mother's side and my father's side fought in World War II and then my dad was in Korea and so forth. And so I have done a lot of study on World War II history and I am, I have such a deep respect for the soldiers who fought during the, of course I have deep respect for all military, but I think about on D-Day, you know, in, in June the 6th, 1944, when those guys were loading up in those carriers off of those ships and going straight to the shore, knowing that a very high percentage of them were getting ready to die the moment they stepped off those landing craft. But yet they did it anyway. That just, that, that's mind boggling to me. But there was something about them that, that told them, this is what I have to do and I have to do it whether I feel like it or not because it is important and the cause is worthy. And so I love that. And so what, what we're saying is that sometimes spiritual things, you have to press your way through some opposing circumstances and uh, not wait for perfect conditions. All right, are you following me? 
Okay, and I said this to you earlier, but look at this note. Um, natural things oftentimes are patterned after spiritual things. So we're going to get into this. And uh, by the way, next, next week I'm going to talk to you about how you reap. But this week uh, I want to talk to you about why people don't reap. Reasons why we don't reap. Why we don't reap a harvest when we should. All right? So understand this. God wants you to reap a harvest. He wants you to reap big harvests. Why? Because that gives you more resource to use for his honor and for his glory. So God wants you to reap a harvest and he wants you to reap big. So just understand that, all right? And, and as we get into these things. So here's number one. If you're taking notes, write this down. People do not reap a harvest. Why? Because they haven't sown. You know, that might sound elementary, but I know people that get upset with God because God is not providing and multiplying for them and moving on their behalf in a great way when they haven't sown anything. <laughs> I can't understand why people are so mean to me. Well, are you sowing meanness? Okay. I wish people were more nice to me. Well, are you sowing nice? All right, see, oftentimes we don't reap a harvest because we have not sown. Now, I want to differentiate, and I've covered this over the last couple of weeks, but understand this, when you tithe, you are not sowing. You're returning to the Lord what belongs to him. So we're, what we're talking about here is over and above your tithes. How, what would you think about a farmer who they interview on the news and he's all upset and crying because he can't seem to get a harvest. Got acres and acres and acres of land, but, but sitting there upset because he's not able to reap a harvest. And finally somebody asked him, well, what did you put in the ground? You mean I got to put something in the ground? Yeah, you got to put something in the ground. You got to sow something. So we have no reason to get upset that we're not reaping a harvest if we have not sown. So remember, and don't forget this, if you need seed, ask God. He will, we just read it, he will provide seed for you. So if, if you say, well, you know, pastor, I would sow, but I don't have any seed. Well, that's because you haven't asked God. Okay, so... Let me say this to you. When your harvest comes in, little side note, honor God with the tithe of your increase. All right. So when your harvest comes in, we'll talk more about this later. Don't forget to tithe off of the income, the increase that comes in. All right. So let's, let's talk about this for just a second. Why is this important? Why do I need to tithe when my harvest comes in? You know, and, and listen, I, I, some people will ask me, well, pastor, do I tithe off the gross or the net? Well, who's first? Do you want the IRS to be first or do you want Jesus to be first? Okay, I'm not going to debate or argue with people about that. It's just a matter of your heart. Who do you want to be first? All right, so the reason that we tithe and we honor God first is why, because remember we read from Malachi chapter three, that when you tithe, God promised that he would make it rain on the seed that you have sown. God will rebuke the devourers. 
the bugs that want to steal your harvest, and he will make sure that the harvest is ready in its due season. So that's why you need to be mindful to, to make sure you are tithing off of every bit of increase that comes into your life so God can fulfill his promises. Look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. I, I can just tell you all are thrilled about that. So look at this. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season, everybody say due season. In due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Look at it from the Message Bible. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't quit, give up or quit. So the first reason that people don't reap a harvest is because they haven't sown anything. The second reason, number two, some people do not reap because they quit and give up before the harvest comes in. Some people quit and give up before the Lord has a chance to bring the harvest into their lives. All right? You know, and, and listen, keep in mind, please, keep in mind, this is greater than money. So when we're talking about sowing seed and reaping a harvest, this is greater than money. Pastor, I just don't understand why my marriage has not greatly changed. You know, I've been nice to my wife now for a week. Okay? And so then you can't understand. And I just, I don't know if I can keep being nice now. All right? So you will reap a harvest if you don't give up and quit. I don't understand why, you know, my job hasn't changed or gotten any better. You know, I've, I've been showing up to work on time now every day last week, okay? But I, it's not getting any better. So I'm just, I'm just going to give up. No, you have to stay with it and be consistent, all right? Don't give up and quit. Now here, please listen to this. If, write this down, please. Do season or the right time to harvest is always later than you want it to be. I can't explain that other than, um, well, there, I can. Let me, let me say this to you, particularly in our culture today. We are of a mindset that we want everything now. I mean, you know, do you remember, some of us are old enough to remember this, do you remember there was a day when McDonald's did not have a drive-thru? Fast food restaurants didn't do drive-thru. Okay? You had to go in, order your food, wait on your food, and then take it out to the car. Now, there was drive-in restaurants where they would bring it to the car. You remember that? But, uh, you know, there was a time. I can remember... Being in, I think I was in eighth or ninth grade when microwave ovens first came out. And one of my friends from school had a microwave oven. I thought these people were so rich because they had a microwave oven. And, and his mama could go in the kitchen and fix food and it would be done in just a few minutes. And, and I was amazed by that. And now we don't give it a second thought. Every household pretty much has a microwave oven. And we're used to being able to, you know, take something frozen solid, hard as a brick, put it in the microwave oven, cook it, and we've got a meal in 
seven, eight minutes. You can microwave a bag of popcorn in two minutes. You can fix all kinds of stuff in a microwave. You can boil water in two minutes in a microwave oven. See, what we've done is we've created a culture where we want everything now. We want it fast. We want it when we want it because, number one, we're impatient. And number two, because we put ourselves in a corner where we need it by noon. All right? And I've got news for you. Spiritual things do not work that way. (laughs) I wish that they did. Oh, gosh, I wish that there were, you know, listen, there's no question about God answering my prayers because he promised he would, okay? But he never promised that if I needed something and, uh, you know, he promised it would be there by 3 o'clock. He never promised that, but that's when we need it. Now, a lot of times we create that urgency for ourselves. Now, I'm going to... I'm not talking to anybody in the room because I know nobody here has ever done this where you have backed yourself in a corner where you need something that quick, where you have a financial need that you have to have something paid by, you know, five o'clock on Monday and uh, or close a business or whatever the case might be. And so you need God to come through now. And uh, we get mad when when it's not there by five o'clock. All right. And God says, you know what? I didn't tell you to put yourself in that position. I'll take care of you. I'll meet you. Am I helping anybody? Okay. All right. I just want to make sure. So due season or the right time is always later than you want it to be. I'm sure there are farmers who would love to plant seed in the ground and go out there the next day and they have full stalks of corn ready to harvest, ready to bring in, but it just doesn't work that way. So when you sow naturally, you do not sow today and reap tomorrow. The same thing is true spiritually. Reaping, bringing in a harvest takes patience. Because why? You can't rush the ground. I don't care how much you put, if you put seed in the ground and you go out there and you check it every day. How many of you when you were kids, maybe in kindergarten or something, they had you maybe in a little Dixie cup, you plant some beans or something. You remember that? I used to, I I was so fascinated by that. I'd want to pull it out of the windowsill and dig around to see what was going on in there. Why? Because I was impatient. I didn't want to wait. But that's what we do sometimes with, with seed that we sow is because it takes time It takes time for it to produce. It takes time for it to bear fruit. It takes time for the harvest to come in. And I don't care how much or how fast you want it to come, you are not going to be able to rush that dirt. You're not going to be able to rush that that soil. All right? So we need to understand. Now, write this down. One of the keys to a constant harvest is to make sure that you are always sowing. Because if you don't, just as in the natural, there will be times when you're not bringing in a harvest. Uh, A farmer, a good farmer, and maybe you've experienced this, a good farmer learns what to sow in what season so that they constantly have 
a harvest coming in. So you might get a farmer that sows wheat in one particular season of the year, and then they sow some other grain crop that comes in later in the year, or if they need to give that soil a rest, they'll plant another area. Why? So that they're always have a harvest coming in. A lot of times what we do is we get excited because God is doing something and he's moving in our lives and, or, or maybe there's a need or something that's going on at church or we're aware of a ministry that has a project going on and we sow into that project. But when that project is done and the excitement wanes, then what we do is we haven't sown anything. And so then our harvest becomes sporadic. You know, you can't expect a consistent harvest when you sow one time a year. So that's why it's important for us to sow on a consistent basis. Now, I'll use myself as a, as a testimony to you. Many years ago, probably 30, going on 30 years ago, I made the decision that I wanted a harvest consistently. And so at the church I was going to, of course, I was, I was tithing, um, but I needed harvest on top of the blessing that was on my life. So what I decided to do is, and at that church, they passed an offering plate. So I, at that church, I made the decision that what I was going to do is I was going to sow something in every offering that came by. Every plate that came, I was never going to be sitting there and allow that plate to pass in front of me without putting something in it. So I began with, and we, by, at that time we were doing Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. So I made the decision, and this is what I could afford at the time. I was going to put $2 in the offering every time the plate came by. Now you have to start where you are. You have to be realistic where you are. If you don't have $1,000, God's not asking you for $1,000. What do you have? So I had $2. So what I did is every time the plate would go by, I made sure that I put $2, at least $2 in the offering. I did that Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, consistently. Now what began to happen is because I was consistent with it, harvest began to come in and God would tap me on the shoulder and say, you need to increase your sowing. So then I, I, I would up it to whatever I was comfortable with, my budget. And so, you know, I might bring it to double it to $4 or $5 or whatever the case might be. But the, the thing that you want to be doing is you want to be sowing something so that you're reaping on a consistent basis. You don't want gaps in your harvest. Are you following me? Okay. So, uh, now here's what I want you to, to get. Also write this down. Look for suddenlies. You know what suddenlies are? where you need a miracle and God performs a miracle for you, that's a suddenly. You read in the scriptures where it says, and suddenly God did so-and-so, okay? We don't live off of suddenlies. So that's why I said, look for suddenlies, but plan on realities. That's why I said, I sat down, I looked at my finances and I determined what I could give on a consistent basis and I sowed on a consistent basis because I wanted to be realistic in what I was able to do and what I expected the Lord to do on my behalf based on his word. All right. So don't live looking for the miracle. Look for 
what God can do with your life on a consistent basis. All right, I'm not saying that don't believe God for miracles. God is for miracles. Don't misunderstand me. And we all need them occasionally. But God doesn't expect you to live off the miraculous. Are you listening to me? All right, here's number three. Why don't people reap a harvest? Some people don't reap because they think reaping or harvesting is automatic. They think it's automatic. And this is an area where I missed it for years. You know, going back to what I was just telling you in that testimony, when I was sowing those $2 or $5 or whatever the case might be and uh, was giving it and giving it, I wasn't receiving the harvest that I, that I knew God's word promised me that I should. So over time, the Lord brought revelation to me that, that what I was doing is I was expecting my harvest to be automatic and it's not. Let me show you from the scripture, Mark chapter 4. Verses 26 through 29, Jesus said this. He said, the kingdom of God is, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, based on this, and I'm going to leave the scripture up here for a second. Uh, answer these questions for me. Who planted the seed? The man did. No, what does it say? The kingdom of God is, is, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. So who scattered the seed, the farmer or the man? Okay, are we clear on that? All right, so who caused it to grow? Well, the earth and the Lord did. All right, because so, it says he doesn't know how it works. He goes to bed, he gets up every day, just like he always does. And the seed sprouts and grows, but he himself doesn't know how. It's not his responsibility. You can be an awesome farmer and not understand all the in-depth things there is to know about biology and how seeds work, how they function in the dirt, so forth and so on. You don't need to know that part. You can if you want, but you don't need to. Why? Because it's not your responsibility to make the seed grow. That's the dirt's responsibility. In the spiritual, that's God's responsibility to make sure that the seed grows. So the man plants the seed, the earth causes it to grow or God's responsibility is for it to grow. But here's what I want you to see. Who did the reaping? Did God? What's the last portion of that? But when the grain ripens immediately, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. See, what I did is I was waiting on God to harvest for me. I knew God would bring multiply and, and cause the seed to grow. But I was expecting God to harvest for me. And I wasn't getting a harvest. So I was like, God, are you falling down on the job? What's, what's up here? Okay. And finally, he got revelation to me. It's not my responsibility to harvest. It's your responsibility to harvest. How many of you, that's revelation to you? You thought if you just gave and gave and gave, 
then eventually it would just come bouncing into your life somehow. Okay? All right? I guess I'm the only one. Praise the Lord. Pray for your pastor. Okay? Reaping is not any more automatic than sowing is. Does God do your sowing for you? No. You do that. God's part is the growing. You do the sowing. God does the growing. You do the harvesting. That's why you need to know how. So you need to be here next week, all right? But let's, let's get into this. Let's wrap this up, all right? So think about this. Even the children of Israel. Now, I want you to think back with me. Um, when they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years, who provided manna for them? God did. Who provided the quail for them? God did. But have you ever read and paid attention to the fact that at the book of Joshua, when they went into the promised land, have you ever noticed the manna stopped? The quail stopped. Why? Well, God, I thought you were, I thought you were my source and my provider. He is. But here's why it stopped. The miraculous stopped because now that they were in their promised land, God said, now you need to plant, you need to harvest. So the provision, the miraculous provision stopped and they then had to step into the process of sowing and reaping for themselves. Are, are you following me? Okay. See, a lot of us are, even though we're in the promised land of being born again, filled with the Holy Ghost and loving Jesus and, and, and fulfilling the will of God, we thought the miraculous would continue into the promised land. And God stopped that. Because let me say this to you. You know, when I was a baby Christian, I got a whole lot more, I received a whole lot, a whole lot more miracles then than I do now. You know why? Because I was a baby. But now that I have grown spiritually, the miraculous stops and God expects me to operate by the spiritual laws that he has put into motion. So those of us, and, and I, I know pretty much everybody in the room, y'all aren't babies. Okay? So guess what? The manna stopped. The quail stopped. God's now saying, you're in the promised land. And so now you got to do some sowing and reaping. All right. So notice this. People don't reap because they don't sow. Number two is what? People don't reap because they give up and quit. And number three, people don't reap because of what? They think it's automatic. So if you have been part of any of those three or all the three, then you need to make some adjustment in your thinking. All right, now, so let me wrap this up. Two more points. Look at this. So you sow by faith in the word of God and you reap by faith in the word of God. Now, I'm going to give you a little hint. Anybody want a little hint about next week's message? How do you reap? Okay, worship is a huge part in reaping. Okay, I want to just plant that little seed in your thinking. Praise and worship is huge in your reaping. Okay, all right, because there's not, um, 
There's not a whole lot you can do in the natural to cause your harvest to come in. It's spiritual. All right, so we'll get into that next week. Now, here's a huge key that I want you to get that will tie into next week. So if, you, if you're taking notes, write this down. Reaping will require us to learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Not only will he lead us to sow, but he will show you when it's time to reap. Um, just to, you know, you don't have to answer this, but unless you want to. Anybody ever had the Holy Ghost deal with you to give somebody something? Okay. All right. So what is he doing? He's showing you this is a time to sow. Now, Ecclesiastes says there is a time for sowing, there's a time for reaping, there's a time for laughing, there's a time for crying, all those things. So there is a season to sow. Well, if the Holy Spirit will show you when it's a sowing season, wouldn't it serve to say that he will show you when it's a reaping season as well? Okay, so what happens is we got seed in the ground and the Holy Ghost tries to get you to harvest. And because we're not sensitive to him or because we didn't know, but because we're not sensitive to him, we, we bypass our harvest time. Now, I've got good news for you. You want some good news before we leave today? All right, let me give you some good news. If you've been sowing for a long time, here's the good news. Those crops are still in the field waiting for you to harvest. Spiritual harvest don't rot on the vine. That ought to excite you right there. I don't know about you, but I got some stuff that's been out there for a while. Okay, I'm ready for it to come in. Okay, so what I want you to see is the Holy Spirit will deal with you not only when he wants you to minister to somebody, when he wants you to bless somebody financially, when he wants you to love somebody or encourage somebody or minister to them in some capacity, he will also show you and lead you into when it's harvest time. Now, let me show you kind of what that looks like. Um, anybody ever been on a, well, first of all, let's, let's draw some, a spiritual connection here. So you are working a job and you're, you're getting an income from that job. You have sown, you first, you've tithed and you've sown, you've given offerings or whatever the case might be on that job while you're working that job. Okay. Now, and you're fine. You've got peace about that. Well, all of a sudden another opportunity presents itself where you could potentially increase your income and the Holy Ghost says to you, I want you to take that position. What's he doing? He's positioning you for harvest. Don't think the Holy Ghost runs by with a red sign that says harvest time, harvest time, it's time to harvest, okay? That's not how he works. He will show you opportunities and reveal things to you that are opportunities for you to harvest. Here, let me show you another way he'll, he'll help you harvest. And that is this, he will, he'll give you a creative idea of something you can do to bring in some extra income on the side. 
okay? Um, we call it a side hustle. You know what that is, all right? God will give you a side hustle. Why? Because he's trying to help you harvest. Now, sometimes we're upset because those opportunities don't present themselves. Well, guess what? Have you sown? Have you sown and made yourself available for God to do that for you? All right, so next week, now that we've eliminated why people don't harvest, next week we're going to talk about how do you harvest? How do you uh, allow God to move in that capacity? Now somebody says, Pastor, this just sounds weird. This just sounds extreme. Okay, well, you can stand by and watch while we extremists reap our harvests. Okay, okay, because this is Bible. This is word of God. Now, you know, I know, again, as I have said to you all throughout this series, I know people have abused these things because they've done them for their own gain. They've sought them for their own gain. That's not what we're about. Now, as Paul said many times in the scripture, my desire as your pastor is for you to grow and excel in these things so that you become everything that God wants you to be. This ain't about the pastor becoming wealthy, if you will. I would love it if my church, the people that God has entrusted into my care as a shepherd, so far exceed where I'm at. I would love it. I'll be your biggest cheerleader. I'll be cheering you on saying, go, go, go. Accomplish everything that God wants you to accomplish. Why? Because that's what I believe the will of God is. God will take care of me, but I'm all for you growing and excelling and exceeding what, what I'm ready for God to do some stuff that will blow your thinking. Anybody in here excited about that? All right, I believe we're stepping into some of those things. And listen, I know gas is going up. Did you think, do you think God turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, you know, I didn't see this mess happen in the Ukraine uh, and all these things going on with Russia. Boy, I never thought gas would go over $2 a gallon again. I don't know what we're going to do. Do you think God has conversations like that? No, not at all. Why? It's no sweat off of his back to provide for you. Amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.